Smartcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Sideline Sports on DBNA Television. We're here with our guest host, Eric Wilson. How are we doing tonight, Eric? Gentlemen, good evening. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself before uh, before we go on. Just oh, yeah. the, the man that you are, because you are uh, you're you're pretty uh, awesome in the media field. So uh, you know, your man Eric Wilson, host of the Sports Arena, alongside my brother John Shear and several other members. We're live every Monday and Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Hoping to get to DBA, like my brothers here on Sideline Sports on DBNA TV. Uh, you know, cover the NFL, cover the NBA, cover the WNBA. Um, just a, a media guy working his way through the trenches, really. This guy's humble. He covers the <laughs> Orlando Magic. He's covered the Toronto Raptors. He's covered, like, what, the Bucks. He's covered, like, all He's kinds of everything. teams. He's covered everything. The WNBA covers the Chicago Sky, like, He's humble, and this guy covers a lot of things in person. The Super, he was at the Super Bowl covering that in February. Yeah. So don't let him fool you. This guy, uh, he's done a lot. He's just being humble, right, Eric? <laughs> I listen, it, it's one of those things where I, I kind of let my work speak for itself. I take a lesson from something that Candace Parker said at the uh, WNBA final. She said, you know, you don't always have to have the loudest mouth. Sometimes let your work speak for itself. And, and I've taken a page out of that, and I've allowed – what I do with, with, you know, great men such as yourselves and others, and just let that be my mouthpiece. I like it. I, oh, all right. Um, all right, Jake, do you want to take care of our sponsors? Yes, Sponsor. sir. That was, that was what I was going to say. Before we continue with this, uh, as most of you already know, we are sponsored by the great Score No Score, as you can see on the screen. Uh, Score No Score, it's a relatively new app. We work with we work very closely with the uh, owner and creator of the app, Eric. Uh, Eric and I and John and JB are always talking to him. Um, if you're not checking out Score No Score, please go check it out. It's it's awesome. It's basically sports betting without having to spend real money, which is my favorite part. I'm not a gambler. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a gambler. John, you're not a gambler either. But I know you and I can both attest that it is really – it's a lot of fun. Uh, you spend in-game tokens and basically bet. Uh, if it's football, whether or not the team is going to score on the current drive. Uh, and if it's baseball, are they going to score in the top of the inning or bottom of the inning? It's that simple. And you compete against friends and, and other people online. 
it's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, John, anything you want to add before we? Uh... Yeah, it's it's relatively cheap. I mean, think of it like cryptocurrency or not cryptocurrency, microtransactions with, say you have a phone app, a game on your phone and you want to buy something cosmetic on that game. It's kind of like that where you could buy the coins. They give you coins for free to start. Yep. And then once you're out, you can buy more, but they're cheap. I believe it's like 99 cents for a bunch. So um, it's it's cheap. It's like having a phone game on on your app that you can play. But instead, it's kind of like fantasy football as well because it uses the actual games that are happening. Exactly. And you can interact and chat with other people that are in that lobby. So that's pretty cool. And yeah, uh, we no. recommend you check it out on, it's, on the it's uh, Google Play fun, and Apple. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So just look up Score No Score on whatever device you're using and hey, come play against us. Uh, good luck because. Uh, I don't know about John. I haven't paid attention to how much how much you're making, buddy. But I'm doing pretty I'm good positive. for myself. Yeah, I'm, I am too. I'm I'm up over a thousand. I I've, I've more than doubled my money, so I'm doing pretty good. So uh, again, score no score. Thank you for sponsoring us and go check them out. Uh, all right, on to the main event, gentlemen. John, what topic do you want to start with today? Because I know we talked. There's a lot of NFL stuff we want to cover uh, today, being the trade deadline. Uh, this today at, at 4 p.m. is one of the things, but it was a big day. There was a lot of stuff going on this week. So where would you like to start? Well, we talked a little bit last night on the sports arena about Derrick Henry and uh, kind of his impact. But, I mean, we can kind of talk, get your opinion and I'll talk about that as well because, I mean, that is big. It changes the dynamic of the AFC, changes the dynamic of the NFL because, you know, the Titans were, what, 5-2? and two? They were looking viable. They just they beat the Looks Bills um, in, in an important game. They beat the Bills recently. So, I mean, the Titans were looking really good, better than we had thought. And, and Julio Jones hasn't even really played this year. Yep. And the defense we know isn't very good, but they've been playing better. So this was a team that was playing better than the Chiefs, playing better than the Bills, playing better than almost anybody in the AFC, but without Derrick Henry. I mean, I'm not so sure that there's any chance for this team, any hope for this team. I I, mean, I don't know what you think. Do, look, they were, do they have they a shot? Five and, they were five and two going into that game. They won the game. They go six and two, but they lose Derrick Henry. Here's the simple, simple, simple fact: the Colts are are three and five. They're only a, uh, just a, a a bit behind. But they got swept. And that's fine. So the they problem. have to have a game over the Titans in order to. That's beat them. fine. Right. But my thing is, I don't know that the Tex that the Texans and the Titans are going to win many more games. And I only say that because this loss of Derrick Henry is going to make them a one-dimensional team. Now they're going to be a passing offense, and that's that's basically what it is. They brought in Adrian Peterson. Okay, great. But I'm sorry, Adrian Peterson is not what he was. He's he's a shell of, of himself at best. He'll be nice. It'll be it'll feel cool to have him there. But truthfully, I think it's more than anything just a name. Adrian Peterson is okay, but we saw what he did last year. He wasn't great. I know he wasn't the feature back, but he's not great, and he's not going to put up the numbers. Their run game is not going to be what it was. Now, I do believe they can still run the ball because they do have a solid offensive line, and I think they're going to have an okay job running the ball just because of the offensive line. But I don't think they're going to have the strength that they had with Derrick Henry, which is going to put a lot of pressure on Ryan Tannehill. And I'm not so certain that this offense is going to be what it was because their game really was rely on Derrick Henry, run the ball down your throat, get them tired, and and, and score with Derrick Henry for the most part, for the most part. 
the fact that Julio hasn't played a lot is also not going to help them because they were hoping to have that one-two punch with on the receiving core with uh, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and then have the tailback and, and Derrick Henry be the bruiser. They lose him. Julio Jones is not playing. The offense becomes even more one-dimensional now because it's really – with Julio not playing a lot, it's really going to be Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown. If you stop A.J. Brown, what do you have? You don't have a lot left in that offense. It's concerning. Um, I don't know that they still win that division. I, I – Without Derrick Henry, it's going to be tough. They didn't pick up anybody today at the deadline. I was hoping they would go out and get. You know, there there were rumors that guys like Philip Lindsay were on the trade block. Um, Melvin Gordon was on the trade block, and they're not the best running backs, but they're serviceable backs with good offensive line. They would have done themselves wonders in in Tennessee, I think. So I'm a little worried about the Titans right now, and I think the the, yeah, I was going to say I just I think the way the Colts are playing overall. They did lose to the Titans, you're right, but I think they're a good enough team that they're gonna they're gonna be able to have a chance at this division right now. My my take on this is Derrick Henry is someone who basically set the tone for that team. But you know, Jake, when you talked about Adrian Peterson, granted, he might not have been the Adrian Peterson that we have known him to be and seen in his career. However, when you said he's serviceable, I think that's what's needed right now in Tennessee. We don't need a Derrick Henry 2.0. We need someone to be serviceable because of Julio Jones, because of AJ, uh, AJ Brown. Um, you know, I think those two pieces will complement Ryan Tannehill and will allow Ryan Tannehill to be still successful. I'm still up in the air about this just because of the defensive side of the ball. You know, their next few games are against teams that are winnable games for Tennessee. But to John's point, the Colts, have to find a way to really get their motor running now and seize this opportunity. And I think that's going to be the biggest piece is can Indianapolis not only keep pace, but overtake Tennessee, because that's what's going to need to happen for them to win this division. If not, Tennessee will get into the postseason. But I really feel like at that point, Tennessee will be one and done. They will get a home game. And depending on where they fare, whether it be the three or even the four seed, because I think one and two, in my estimation, I think are going to pretty much be Baltimore and the Los Angeles Chargers. Those are my one and two. Um, you know, Cincinnati might get it done, but I think they're going to fall short to Baltimore, even though they have beaten Baltimore just recently. So now it's a question of, you know, where do the rest of these teams fall? And it's unfortunate that double-digit win teams are going to be five, six, and seven. But getting back to Tennessee and Derrick Henry, if Adrian Peterson can be a serviceable back, I would still put him above a lot of these other running backs just because we've seen this man come back from a major injury and still play at a high level. He's not as elite as we may have deemed him to be once before, but right now he is, I think, the piece that is going to help. Jake, to your point, you know, not that many blockbuster trades that happened to have the trade deadline, you know, and we, and we discussed this before, before coming on. I, I want to pose this question to you and to John, if I may. If the Tennessee Titans would have acquired another wide receiver, a top tier wide receiver, do you think your opinion might have changed if they had gotten another weapon to give to Ryan Tannehill? 
I'll, I'll uh, let John feel. I first. think I honestly think that they should have went with and got a tight end, maybe a Hayden Hurst or or an Evan Ingram or somebody like that, or even Gasecki from us. I think they should have went and got a tight end because they lost John U. Smith last year, who I, I know he's not great, but they don't really have anything at the tight end spot now that he's gone. And Holio isn't the guy that we had all anticipated that he would be this year. So they really only have A.J. Brown to count on. And we know Adrian Peterson's not catching the ball out of the backfield. He's never done that. So when he goes into the game, you know it's going to be run the ball or pass block. You know you don't have to worry about going out and covering him out of the backfield. Derrick Henry had that problem for years, but they started to utilize him out of the backfield, catching the ball more because otherwise the defense knows what's coming when Henry came in. Peterson's not catching the ball and he's not a lead anymore. He's not that guy anymore. So we know that when he comes in, he's only running it. So, so really they pass wise, they only have AJ Brown to throw to. I mean, I, I don't believe in Julio this year. I just don't, I don't see the chemistry. I don't see him staying healthy. I don't see it. I haven't seen it. I saw one game where he was good one time in eight games. He's missed three. He's played five and one good game. Like clearly the guy, yeah, one game he can, bring that old Julio out of him, but he's, he's just not a guy that you have to worry about in that regard anymore. He's not elite. It seems because his health is a concern and, and that's part of the game. I mean, you eventually wear down and not quite as good as you were, but so that's, that's the promise. They should have went and got another weapon. Maybe Jamison Crowder, maybe a tight end, but something just to keep the defense honest because AJ Brown's going to get bracketed. I mean, he's going to get bracketed, and and then they're going to force you to go elsewhere. And who else do you really have? Yeah, yeah I, I I agree with that completely. Actually, um, I mean, I think a guy that we we kind of mentioned it briefly before the show, John, uh, Allen Robinson still doesn't move. Uh, the Bears, for whatever reason, just don't want to get rid of him. I, I don't understand why they keep him. They're not even using him this year. I mean, if you look at his numbers, it's not like he's putting up a hundred yard games every week. He's, he's not even doing that. It's that it clearly the fields to uh, Robinson connection is not there. And so if it was, I could understand them. All right, maybe let's keep him because we got a young quarterback. Let's get, let, let's you know keep this weapon from, but he's not doing it. So if the Titans would have said, yeah, let's go get him. Then my tone might have changed. I, I think I might be singing a different tune only because then, you know, Eric, you're right. Adrian Peterson can be serviceable, and I say that. I and I I don't disagree. I, I agree with that. I know I said it, but I'm I'm agreeing that that's very possible with the offensive line. He can be serviceable, but with what the problem is now, because Julio is not doing well, like John was talking about, they need more than just a running back to be serviceable. They need a second weapon. They need basically right now they need a number two for AJ Brown, and Julio was supposed to be the number two as a receiver. And then have Derrick Henry as the number three, if you will, right? That third threat at, at a different position, but a third threat. Now you take away Derrick Henry. You already didn't have Julio really playing well. You're down to really one threat because John, like you said, I completely agree. He's, you know, Adrian Peterson's not going to be a threat in the passing game. So Never has were, been. And that's fine. And it's not like he's 2012 Adrian Peterson where yeah. I'd be really scared to have him on my team <laughs> because then if that would be like a Derrick Henry 2.0, right? Yeah. Because then I'd be again singing a different tune because then I'm saying, well, you know what? You you were fine with Derrick Henry 
and A.J. Brown as your primary guys. You were winning games. You were playing well. It was working, and you just replaced Derek Henry with Adrian Peterson. You have that 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 2.0, basically, another, so, another bruising back that's going to crush teams. That's fine, but they don't have that. So if they so got what a if, receiver, I think my uh, – I'll just say this. If they got another receiver, I think I'd be, I'd be a little bit different on it because then I'd say, all right, Peterson can be a serviceable back. He'll gain some yards on the ground. He'll gain 60 to 70 on the ground probably as an average per week, and that's going to be good enough for them because that'll be – it'll mix up the run plays. They'll, they'll have some plays there, but they'll have two weapons that Tannehill can work with, so that will throw the defense off just a little bit because if you're forced to double-team one guy, then that might leave somebody else open even if you know, you're know you double-teaming A.J. Brown. Allen Robinson's going to have one guy in coverage, one guy maybe going to shadow him uh, you know, deep, right? then that still opens up the field to your other receivers or tight ends, no matter how good or bad they are, because you're just, that's just the way the coverage is going to so, work out. So Eric, I have a question who, what would you think? Cause you're a Philly fan. What would you think if uh, Deshaun Jackson went to the Titans? Cause he's cut. He, he just got you know, cut. Yes. Him and the Rams have mutually agreed to part ways and there's an opportunity for him to go there, but he's one dimensional. But yes, they need the, they still, need somebody that can stretch a field, right? Right, he can still stretch the field. And the question though is, can Ryan Tannehill, you know, place it to where only Deshaun Jackson would be able to go get it? Uh, the the speed is definitely there. You cannot let him loose because if you let him loose and he turns on that second, third, fourth gear, whichever it is, he's gone. There's no question about it. Even at the age of 33, 34, whatever he is, uh, again. He's a complimentary piece. I'm just not sure because we know what he is. You need someone a little more elusive. And that's why, you know, I think we were all under the impression that Julio was going to be that number two that Jake spoke of. However, Deshaun Jackson, as much as I love him, he is one dimensional. He's a guy that if he comes across the middle, it's going to be a quick slant and then he's gone and if you can cut him off, he's maybe only gets you seven, eight yards. Is that necessary? Of course it is. However, the big plays that we've known him to have, they where they used to be maybe two, three, sometimes even four. Now it's only maybe one per game. But sometimes one per game is all you need. It could change the game. It could. You're absolutely right. So, so what – I mean, even still, even if he's not – running downfield and making those big plays, the defense still has to keep be honest because if Deshaun Jackson is lining up in the slot and you have Julio and AJ Brown on the outside, that defense has to keep eyes on Deshaun Jackson because much like Tyree Kill, to a lesser extent, but still any play Deshaun Jackson can get loose, like you said. And if he gets loose, that's a big play. That's a big 50 yard play or 50 yard touchdown or whatever. So I mean, the defense at least has to keep their eyes on him as opposed to whoever their slot guy is. You always have to keep your eyes on Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson. Guys that fast, you you cannot take your eyes off him because if you do, there goes a touchdown. So that's something that he also brings. You don't have to worry about, well, he's always hurt. You sign the guy off the off free agency, you're not paying much. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. But, I mean, it's a, there's no there's no risk to it. I think the problem that you're not pointing out, though, Julio isn't the threat that he was. A, he's hurt. 
B, he's older and not playing as well. So you're right. Yeah, teams have to pay attention to him. But in that case, you're going to double cover A.J. Brown. You're going to probably single cover Deshaun Jackson because all you got to do is defend basically either across the middle or hopefully you're playing zone. You don't want to play man. You don't play man to man with Deshaun Jackson. Play a zone on him pretty easily and probably stop him because the truth is he's just, he's not what he used to be when he was younger. He was really scared because his was I don't know. I watch that. Where I disagree. Jake is what you say. He's not what he used to be. Okay. Find me another 30 year old plus wide receiver who can still kick it into third gear. You know oh, what I'm saying? I just so mean he's not in terms of you've got to beat him off the there. bump and run. Okay. You've got to beat him or contain him within the first five to seven yards off the line. If you're Agreed. able to do that, then you can contain him. But if he runs, and I've watched this oh, numerous sure. times, trust me. Yeah, hey, you're you Giants fan. You know that, Jake. Man, Thanks, John. Thank you for the reminder because I didn't remember that. I was, I, was I really forgot line. about that. I was, I was trying to be nice. This is not <laughs> the sports arena, but I'm saying, if you let him get loose and he can break ankles, and Tannehill is aware of that, I'm telling you, that's going to set up a major play. Think about it like this. Run with me for one minute, if you will. So, Tannehill is successful if Deshaun Jackson was to come to Tennessee. Like you said, they're going to double team AJ Brown. AJ Brown, yes. Brown, yeah. They double team AJ Brown. Deshaun beats his man within those first five to seven yards. Tannehill finds him going across the middle. He finds Deshaun. Deshaun's got one guy to beat, whether it be a nickel or a safety or a corner, whatever the case may be. All right, let's say Deshaun doesn't get past him, but still, you've got a twenty or thirty yard gain. Now, you're further along. What does that do? It opens up the playbook. It opens up the playbook for a serviceable Adrian Peterson to who you know is a north-south guy. Sometimes he likes to go east and west. But if that offensive line can create a hole and create space, I'm pretty sure the wily vet that is Adrian Peterson can run through it. So now you're moving the chains. And I think that is where we sometimes get too caught up in the fact that they are older. They are true wily veterans, but, but they're veterans. You're right. Come experience. So if, if, if the Tennessee Titans were able to secure an Adrian Peterson and a Deshaun Jackson, I would then give the nod and say, okay, sitting at five and two, this is still your division. I, I would then have to say the Colts, you are going to have to play phenomenal football and run the table in order to win. But those two pieces still with the ability to do what they do, not on the highest level, but not so much on a level that is, you know, I still put them at on a scale of one to 10 here. I still give them a six, almost a seven, because I know what I've seen. Yes, we know their flaws, but we also know their strengths. And if Mike Rabel has learned anything, I'm sure, from Bill Belichick, it's how to scheme according to the talent that you have. That's fair. Um, I think my only other thing is, is Julio is, I don't know how often he's going to be on the field, which is part of the other concern that I, I was, I was thinking about is your, I, I like your scenario. Your scenario does work. If all three are on the field together, meaning Julio, AJ Brown, Deshaun Jackson, but that is something you kind of touched on. John 
is A, Deshaun Jackson. Well, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Well, that's the problem. Deshaun Jackson, as he is older, he just, from what I've seen, it feels like he's a little more prone to injury now. Yeah, but there's no risk to it. I mean, what are you risking? But more importantly, what I was going to say, Julio is also prone to injury. So my my fear would be, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying, you know, playing the other side, right? You would have two injury-prone receivers. To be fair, the whole NFL is injury-prone this year. You're right. You're right. But I feel like right now what the Titans need before they go get a guy like Deshaun Jackson is just somebody they can trust will be on the field for them. That's what they need right now. They need a guy that they can say he'll be out there. He can play alongside A.J. Brown for now. Even if it's not a superstar, they just need somebody else that they can trust will be out there for, you know, 13, 14, 15 games, you know, maybe miss a game or two because of maintenance, whatever that happens. That's okay. But play almost every game. That's what they need. And Deshaun Jackson is not that Julio Jones is not that they need somebody else. And if they had that, then the guy like Deshaun Jackson makes a little more sense because then you have a little more room to play risky. Why? Cause yeah, you lost your, your running back, but you've got another guy to play alongside with AJ Brown. And if you have a four receiver set at any point, you can have Julio Jones, AJ Brown, whoever this X guy is that is you know that consistent player, right? And Deshaun Jackson. I can tell you. I can tell you for sure. If they have a four or five wide receiver set this Sunday night on Sunday Night Football, they'll be dead because Von Miller and Aaron Donald. You can't have a four or five wide receiver. No, set. you're right. Letting those guys say, basically, you know, <laughs> single covered. You know, one lineman on those guys, both of them. I mean, good luck, Ryan Tannehill. So, yeah, you're not going to probably see a whole lot of four or five wide receiver sets Sunday night. I'm just saying. I think that was a a nice transition, John. Yeah. Because I think that's the next topic we have to talk about. It was funny. We said, oh, there weren't any blockbuster trades on the deadline. But there was a blockbuster trade the day before the deadline on a Monday. And boy, oh, boy, was it a good one. I mean, I just tipped my hat to the Rams. I mean, look. The Rams trade for Von Miller and sent what? It was a, a second a, and third. A, it was, okay, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I know it was two second day uh, draft picks. I, I couldn't remember if it was a second and a third or if yeah. it was two thirds. I knew it was something like that. So they got they send a second and a third, and they bring in Von Miller. Oh, just think about that defense for a second. The defensive line you had Leonard Floyd and you had Aaron Donald already. That was scary as it was. Now you bring Von Miller, who, I mean, is one of the highest – he has one of the highest sack totals since entering the league. One of the only other guys with a higher sack total since entering the league is the guy that's going to be on the other side of him now is going to be Aaron Donald. You have two of the highest sack guys since they respectively joined the league. I mean, come on. And that's not to mention the fact that you already have Jalen Ramsey in your secondary. I mean, boy, oh, boy. Is this the so, best defense in the NFL? So Just, Von Miller, I mean, I as, ask that seriously because they really might be. I mean, right now the Bills are the best ranked defense in the NFL. They're basically number one in every category possible. So except turnovers, the Bills are basically number one in every statistical defensive yeah. category. So and they're very right good. now you can't give take away from what the Bills have done. You're right. Except but, for they played a soft schedule, but other than that, they're I mean, play a guys bit overrated, but. Yeah. But, the, but my, my thing is, on paper, at least, are they the best defense in the NFL? At least on paper. Just on paper, of course they are. I mean, okay. you can't ignore the addition amazing. of Von Miller and what he brings, the veteran presence, 
the fact that he is one of the best edge rushers in the game. I mean, is this he? is a guy. Is he? I, ju- I just have to ask you because he hasn't had double digit sacks since 2018. Good. All right, but here's huh. what, hold on. Here's okay. what I'm going to say real lot. quick to that. He's been John. injured a lot, hasn't hit double-digit sacks in a while. It Maybe, like Julio Jones, he might – maybe we're no. overthinking this a little bit and saying, no. No. hey, here's, the career he's I want to say this real quick to John. He may not be what he was, but here's the thing. He's on a team where he doesn't need to be because you had Leonard Floyd. You already had Aaron Donald, who teams already have to worry about. So even if somehow you try and double-team both of them – Guess what? You still got to work out Von Miller, which is going to open. That's the problem. But didn't we see the same thing about Julio Jones and AJ Brown? And here's the thing. When you have three guys that you have to compete against like that, it opens up a hole for somebody. That was the point I was making with Julio. If there's a third, if there's there's two guys that you already had to worry about, that's why I said AJ Brown and that X guy, that opens up the field for guys like Julio and Deshaun Jackson. The same thing is going to happen here. You already have two guys you have to worry about, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. You add Von Miller, somebody's going to have an opportunity. My, my point Eric, in all I, this I didn't mean is, to cut you off, Eric. I just no, to no, you're that. fine. You're fine. John, I, I understand what you're saying, but you're, look, you're looking at two different sides of the ball, okay? Offense, Julio Jones, we know what he's capable of. Injuries have played a major part in this. And so the reason why we don't give him the nod per se is excuse me is because we we put a, a high expectation around him all right because he was the guy in Atlanta that's what he was he was the guy in Atlanta when you needed him that's what he did except against Philly shameless plug for my team but <laughs> when you transition to the defensive side there's a more calculated mindset if you will because on the offensive side of the ball the quarterback's calling the plays you just have to go out and execute on the defensive side of the ball, you not only have to know and understand what the offense is attempting to do, number one, but number two, you've got to be able to calculate how to go against that. So for Von Miller not being the double-digit sack guy that we've known him to be, I give 2020 as a that, – that was a wash for everybody, okay? No one was their greatest in 2020, all right? Right. Von Miller, of course, his age does play a factor, but Jake hit the nail on the head. They're not going to ask Von Miller to be the standout that he was or in Denver. They're going to say, listen, we're going to plug you into this system. We just need you to be a disruptor right now, because by putting this man on the field alongside Leonard Floyd, alongside Aaron Donald, alongside Jalen Ramsey, what does that say to other offensive coordinators? Great. Now I've got to find a way to plan on how to contain not one, not two, but three guys, which means I have to plan to make sure that not one of these guys gets through because if one of these guys gets through, my quarterback's getting sacked. So it's one of those things where the name and the historic career of Von Miller plays a major factor into how offensive coordinators now have to scheme when they play against the Los Angeles Rams defense. Are they the best defense on paper? Yes, they are. We will see how it translates, though, Agreed. this Sunday night. Yeah. So, so you know. 
I uh, and John Mozick kind of stole exactly what I was going to say. So thank you, John Mozick, for stealing exactly what I was going to say word for word before I could get it out. I appreciate that. I was going to say that uh, Von Miller had four sacks against the Giants, Jags, Jets. Those were four of his four and a half sacks this year. He's played four other games. He's had a half a sack since then. So four, four of his sacks were against terrible teams with terrible lines. And he had, like I said, he had 14 and a half sacks in 2018, 10 in 2017. I mean, really, and the years after that, 2019, 2021, eight and four and a half, like four and a half this year. So really, he hasn't done much in a while, and he's getting up there. He's 32. I'm not saying that he, he's not going to disrupt because I know how football works. There's more to defensive linemen than just sacks. I understand the game inside the game as I preach that a lot, but it's got to be concerning with all the injuries and everything. It's got to be concerning, you know, maybe let's halt the brakes on the Rams winning the Super Bowl just because they got Von Miller still got to get through all the injuries. And we know how the NFL is this year, but I mean, it's just, it's something where you kind of have to make sure you do your due diligence and you don't just say, well, he's Von Miller. Like Julio Jones at the beginning of the year, we all thought, well, now the Titans are unstoppable with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and now Julio. But injuries play a part, getting older, red flags, patterns of injuries where you're not sure if they're going to stay on the field. So that's just what I'm saying is, you know, look into it a little bit and make sure you don't just say, well, Von Miller is 26-year-old Von Miller. Well, here is here's the way I look at it, though, and this is – I think the difference between when Julio was added to the Titans versus Von Miller added to the Rams. When Julio was added to the Titans, he was expected to be the receiver number two. He was he was expected to play a big part, and they needed him to be on the field to make the plays to help the offense. That that was what he was expected to do. The difference is Von Miller is not expected to do that on this defense. He's expected to just add to what this defense already has going for it, and that's what's important. That's I, th- I think that's the biggest difference that you'll see and that is, is important to be talked about is you already have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. That's like having a number no, one d- don't, and number don't, two whoa, 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 Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're all forgetting about Sebastian Joseph Day. I mean, come on. Like, well, if I'm you watch the Rams at all, nobody mentioned Sebastian Joseph Day. That guy is playing out of his mind this year. That's, he's playing a hell of a year. And so everybody's overlooking him because Aaron Donald, he's played a hell of a year. So That's not the point give, I'm making. I know. The I'm just I'm, saying, give credit to him being there, too. I'm talking about they're just their number one, their number two, which is Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd. Everybody knows that. Overall, that would be their number one and number two, and I don't think anybody would argue that. And that was the point I was going to make. When you add a guy like Von Miller, the difference between Von Miller and the Julio stuff is Julio is expected to fill that number two role, and he really needed to step up. Von Miller, all he's doing is adding to the excellence on this defense already. So there's already two guys that are great, a third that's playing really well right now, right? He's a fourth guy. So even, but even if there wasn't a third, if it was just, even if it was just Donald and Floyd, even if that was the case, you're adding a third guy, which is the big difference. He's not expected to fill that number two role. Instead, he's expected to fill in at number three. And, and, and basically when one and two are not getting it done, right. One and two are going to get the attention. Number three is going to have a chance to now be good. And that's, that's, what's important to, to, to mention is 
you're because you compare him to Julio, and I think you're right right to do so. I don't think it's a bad comparison in terms of well, great player in his prime, right? He I just like to, to analyze. He was, he was ana- the guy you know. on his on his team at his position. Yeah, that's perfectly accurate. Very more injury prone now. Perfectly accurate. There's yeah. to me. There's no. There's nothing wrong with that comparison. I think it's actually a really good comparison. But what I want to what I want to point out, which is the really the important difference, is Julio was brought in the number two. He needed to really step up. Vaughn is coming in not to As be a number, the number two. two. No, he's coming in at the number three at best because Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald already are number one and two. So yeah, he's, he's a three now. job. He definitely is. His three. job is to, he's a three. to fill that number three. The guy with 110 number... and a half sacks in his career is a number three. Yes. yes. Because he has to be implemented into the system. Exactly. Now, will he take over the number two spot? That still remains to be seen. But Leonard Floyd is Leonard Floyd. We know what he's capable of. Von Miller is there to provide another piece to that defense. That defense was already great. It just got better with the addition of Von yeah, Miller. Of course. You know, four and a half sacks. They've added an extra game. I'll take the over-under at maybe 12 and say he finishes with double-digit sacks this year. I think uh, a good comparison, based on what Eric was kind of saying, and I, I agree with what he said, is, as he is possible to take over the number two. It, it reminds me of when the Bucks, after they got Tom Brady, started adding more receivers like Gronk and Tony O'Brown. They already had their number one and two regardless. Regardless of who they added, no matter what star caliber it was, they already had Godwin and Evans at the one and two. Now they may have added someone that would take over one or two and, and switch the positions around, but they only added guys that were technically now three and four. And I put quotes around that because that offensive switches, who's one, who's two, who's three, who's four. It doesn't matter. But when they added them in, they weren't intended to now have to be that number one or two guy. They were just supposed to be reinforcement. And that's exactly how I see Von Miller, he's just reinforcement. They already have their top guys. They're just adding to what's already great and making it even better. So are they the best team in the NFC still now? I mean, is are the Cardinals, are the Cowboys? We know how much Eric dislikes them. You know, like who's the best team in the NFC? I mean, it's hard to tell um, this year who's the best in either conference, their respective conferences. You know, it's hard to tell who's the best anywhere because – Every team's been up and down at some point where you think you got it figured out and then you don't. Are they the best team in the NFC right now? Can I give you my answer Monday night yeah. after I see Von Miller play on Sunday night football with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd? Because we still don't know if the chemistry is going to work. Yeah, that's fair. So, but if they come out and have an amazing game, then I, I would on paper. Well, before say, him, yes. before but they even right added now, him. Are they are they the best team in the NFC before they added no, them? No, no? Okay. I would still I would still say even though JJ Watt was out is out I would still put the Cardinals above the Rams. I would still put the Bucks above the Rams. Yeah. Um, I got to see how they fare this Sunday, and I think that's going to be very truth telling. As of right now, who I think the best team is in the NFC, I still have to go with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're the defending champs. They only had well, they have two losses, but. Again, divisional matchup games are so just up and down. You never know what's going to happen. But I feel like we saw this happen last year with the Saints and the Bucks. The Saints swept yep. the Bucks in the regular season and then lost when it counted. And they had Drew Brees. So, you know <laughs> what I mean? Saints, the Saints have apparently Tom Brady on the Bucks number. I don't know what it is. I don't know. They, just, I don't they get him in the regular it. season. But it doesn't matter because 
you know what? Who won the Super Bowl last year? Wasn't the Saints. And that that's a very good point. You're right. So, um, what what if the Saints? Because you heard this today, uh, Philip Rivers would be open to coming back to the Saints. If Philip Rivers came back to the Saints, are they a legit threat to the Bucks in the NFC? No, because the Saints no. are only what half a game behind the Bucks for the division now. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that worried. And nope. and Michael Thomas hasn't even played this year. Not yet. He hasn't played yet. So I still say no. I still say even if Philip Rivers came out of retirement, played half a season. Again, Philip Rivers. I've always said this, and I will continually say it. He will throw you into games, and he will throw you out of games. So if he comes in now because they need him, because Jameis, and you know, I hope Jameis gets well, but I don't. It does not scare me with him coming in. I agree. I mean, even with Michael Thomas coming back, who I mean, they're they're a half game behind the Bucks without Michael Thomas playing eight eight games. The, the, That's they're impressive. Not, they're not a good team, really, realistically. Like, I, I, they lost to the Giants. I mean, I'm a Giants fan. I mean, the I Bengals lost to the Jets, so I can't necessarily say based off of one game. The Rams saying, lost to the Jets right, last but, year. I mean, like, you can't Saints, necessarily the, go that route. No, but I'm just saying the Saints haven't proven anything to me. Like, okay. If you look, I, even I, I with just, the Bucks out of the Bucks, I was using the Giants as an example, uh, kind of as a joke, but they haven't proven much. And I know the Bucks don't prove anything to me, only because, like I said, for some reason they got Tom Brady's number since he's been on the Bucks. To me, it doesn't actually. I don't take too much stock in it, only because of that. If it was, if if last year Tom Brady beat up on them badly and then they did it. It might be a little, I might feel a little differently, but knowing how last season went in the regular season, it's just kind of one of those things where Tom Brady, I guess I don't want to say he gets the yips, but he, 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 something happens when he plays the saints in the regular season. Now that he's on the bucks and he can't beat them. I don't get it. I don't understand it by any means, but something happens. Uh, But the saints, the saints haven't looked, they haven't looked like what they did last year. Last so year, let's, there was something to them that I was like, all right, they're a good team. This year, I'm not seeing that. Let's go through the four division leaders right now. The Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, and Cardinals. Packers and Bucks both got beat by the Saints. Both of them. What's division the leaders. Both got beat by the Saints this year. Both of them. And it was pretty impressive how the Saints beat both of them teams. So, I'm just saying, they already took out two of the division leaders in the oh, NFC. Man, if they played the Cardinals or the Cowboys and they beat one of those two, would you be impressed by this team? No. No? I mean, no. they're beating the division leaders, the best teams in the NFC, and you're not giving them their due without because, Michael Thomas? Because this is, this is what I'll say with regards to that, John. Look at those four teams that you just mentioned. We full-on expected at the beginning of this season that those four teams were going to be in the playoffs. Did we not? We yeah. all Those four teams. Yeah. Okay. Yep. There's always a team that's going to maybe shock or surprise or do the unthinkable, whatever, however you want to spin it. And they are going to beat the teams that are the top tier teams. So, yes, the Saints did it. But, John, I can go back last year and say when the Saints were a good team, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Saints in New Orleans. You want to call the Eagles a good team then last year at 411? <laughs> but they and beat one? both of the two of the best teams right now that you're going to find. The, the defensive coordinator and defensive head coach for the New Orleans Saints, I am sure, game plans 
for the top quarterbacks in this league, a la Aaron Rodgers, Allen Wright, yeah. a Tom Brady, you know what I'm saying? A, a now Matthew Stafford and a Dak Prescott. He game plans and schemes for them. What he does is shout out to the great late Jim Johnson, who I love, probably one of the best in his position. Do the Saints impress me because they beat those teams? No, because when it matters is when I'm going to be asking that question. What you do in the regular season does transition and make an impact. But when you get to the playoffs, all that stuff you did those past 17 games, that's wiped away. It's one and done. All right, we'll see in a couple weeks because the Saints, I don't, we don't know what the Titans are now, but they play the Titans in two weeks. Then they play your, they play your Eagles, which I mean, they'll get their revenge mm-hmm. for that. Then they play the Bills on Sunday night, okay. so they get their chance at the Bills. Bills. Then they, then they play the Cowboys on Sunday night the following week. Okay, they play the Jets. Then they go and play the Bucks Sunday night the week after that. So they have okay. three Sunday night games against Bills, Cowboys, and Bucks. Right there. Those are three opportunities to prove to the world that, hey, we belong. So they have their shot. They already beat the Packers. They already beat the Bucks once. They get right. the Bills, the Cowboys. They can, and they could shut people up. I'm not a Saints person, but I'm just saying, I'm going to give them a little bit of credit without Michael Thomas. They've done all this. Half game behind the world champion Bucks, And they got, they're going to be tested. I think they can handle it if they can get their quarterback situation under wraps. Beat the Cowboys. Beat the Packers. I mean, beat the Cowboys, beat the Bills, sweep the Bucks again, and you will have officially changed my mind. But you have to win all three. That'd be a hell of a gauntlet to run through. Hell of a gauntlet. We've seen other teams who we did not give them a high expectation, and they were able to be successful. Okay? Do that against those three teams, and you will have officially changed my mind about your stance and who you are. But right now, I don't see it. And John Mizak hit the nail on the head. And thank you guys for putting that up. Saints lost to the Panthers and the Giants. Come on. Come on. That says a lot to me. That Giants game was weird, though. That Giants game was really weird in New Orleans. And they were, I was going to say, they were at home, weren't they? Yeah, Yeah. they were at home. And that was a really (laughs) weird game that I expected the Saints to dominate. I want to see what the record is for NFC East teams in the Superdome against the Saints. I want to see what that overall record is because it's something about when the Eagles or the Giants or the Cowboys or the Reds, Washington football team, excuse me, when they come into the Superdome, it's like they don't party before the game, <laughs> but they have reason to celebrate after that game. So, but It doesn't make sense because the NFC East, we just saw this last night. The NFC East does this where they just, I mean, the Giants almost beat the, almost beat the, Chiefs last night, they had their opportunity to go and beat them. Last year, the Giants almost beat the eventually Super Bowl champion Bucks on Monday Night Football. Same team, almost beat the Bucks. Something about the NFC East, I don't understand how it happens, but they they lose games that you ex- that you expect them to ball out, and then games where you think they have no business. I mean, the Eagles went toe to toe with the Chiefs for what the first th- two and a half quarters this year. Like, and nobody expected that. I thought it'd be a blowout by the end of the first. So I don't understand how the NFC do- East does this. It makes so no sense. As not as since you're not an NFC East fan, John, let me <laughs> let me let me bring you into the fold for a minute and explain <laughs> to you what we do. And Jake, please, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. See, we beat up on each other. That's what we do. We are just known yep. for that. 
So what happens is when we lose to one of our divisional opponents, we then have to take it out on somebody else. See, if you've noticed over the last couple of years, the NFC East, the last few weeks of the regular season have been all divisional games. Why? Because other teams are scared of us if we play a divisional opponent and we lose to them. They know we're out for blood. (laughs) So that's why they said, okay, to protect the rest of the league, we'll put most of NFC East division games towards the end of the season. That way they can beat up on each other and only one person, one team, excuse me, can get in. That's how that works. I just don't understand where right. y'all's motivation is like that every week. You could be you could be in the playoffs, like two or three of you, if you just had that motivation every week. The truth is our fair. teams it, aren't it good enough. It's just we're not good enough teams. We just get pissed off and take it out on somebody else. That's all it is. He's right. I mean, look at any of those teams besides besides the Cowboys. Do any of them really deserve to be in the playoffs? Like legitimately deserve? No. And the Cowboys. I mean, they're they're a good team, but even if they weren't as good as they are, they would by default make the playoffs just because they'd be the best team in the division. It's just the way it is. It doesn't mean much. It's just how it is. I mean, I joke every year, but you know, usually this year's gonna might be an exception because the Cowboys do look very good. But for the past, I don't know, five six years, realistically, I've said whoever comes out of the NFC East, all they're earning is the right to lose in their first game. That's it. That's all that it means. It doesn't mean much. That's it. One of us has got to come. I mean, John, last year, what was the record? Nine and seven? Seven and nine. Seven and nine. Seven and nine. Seven and nine made the postseason from the NFC and and got a home playoff game. Think about that for a second. You couldn't even go 500, but you still were awarded a home playoff game because you won your division. What does that say to you? I mean, come on. I have been a huge proponent of if you you should have a winning record. It should be the top the top seven teams right now. Whatever your record is, you should be the seven teams that get in. It should not be one from every division. But Eric the the only instance of seven and nine where I was impressed was when the Saints went and uh the Saints lost to the Seahawks because the Seahawks were seven and nine. B and Beast Quake was born. Beast Mode was born that day in the wild card round, that epic run. I want to say this, Eric. It's funny you said what you just said about you know the seven top teams. I mean, not even an hour ago, maybe a little bit, maybe a little over an hour ago, rather. Excuse me. I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and I said he was, he's a Steelers fan, and he was saying, "What are the chances the Steelers make the playoffs?" And I said, "Truthfully, based on your division, it's going to be tough because the way the playoffs are set up." It's ridiculous. And I was saying how they could potentially win 11 or 10 or 11 games, but based on the way divisions work and the way things work out, they may not make the playoffs because they end up third in their division, right? The top two teams in their division goes ahead of them. And even if they were somehow – it was funny. My example was if let's say the Steelers are the seventh best team record-wise in the AFC, they might get kicked out by a team that lands in the top four only because they win their division. And I use the AFC South, funny enough, as the example because with Derrick Henry out, I have no idea how the division is going to go. A lot of things could happen with it, right? You could somehow end up with a team only winning maybe nine games, right? And I'm just making this up, of course. But if they win nine games, they make the playoffs. Steelers win 10. I was just saying it is so ridiculous to me. And it always has bothered me because – 
the playoffs shouldn't be about just winning your division. It should be the best of the best making the playoffs. And so I find it so funny you bring that up. I was just having the conversation saying how it's just one of those things that really bothers me because it was a couple of years ago now that I believe the Texans were like seven and nine and they made the playoffs out of the AFC South. Why? Because they won their division, not because they were good. And then they got pummeled in the playoffs. They weren't, they weren't deserving of it. And our division's another good example, not deserving of the playoffs. It just happened because that's, that's the way the playoffs are set. And so I, I would agree with that statement very much so that it should be about the top teams because there are plenty of times where, you know, you got a, a a team that barely makes 500 kicks out, you know, in our case, that number seven team, and they get bumped down to eight technically because that, that number four spot is that one through four is reserved for the division winners, which is beyond me. Yeah. And I, I've never agreed with that. And I've always felt like it should be the top teams, you know, and, and that's always been my case. You know, if you can't win at least half of your games, Right, you should not be given an opportunity to make a, to, to get a. That's the thing. You get a home playoff game. Playoff game. Do you understand <laughs> what that does? You're being handed an advantage because uh, right. you won your division and your division stunk. Well, it's so also big for me, your organization because it's a lot of money. Exactly. So you mean to tell me I just have to win my division? Basically, is what I have to do in order to a lot put of the money time in the owners' pockets and yeah. then let a eleven and five or. 12 and 4, 11 and 16 come into my house. Like yeah. it, it just, and they need to change that. I have been a huge proponent of that. A lot of the time in those instances that you're talking about, a team is basically making money and being rewarded for being at best mediocre. That is that's not a standard what you do want we to teach set ever. Our kids. What are we teaching our kids? <laughs> Mediocrity right? gets rewarded. You're right. What do they right, say? Though. C's get degrees. Is that what they say? Is that the that's the I mean that's you know i use i think hockey is a good example that's why i love the way hockey playoffs are set up the top teams make the playoffs period end of story you make the playoffs based on your points that's it if you win your division you earned the win of the division because it's it's based on it's based on points which is based on record you legitimately but you always earn it i feel like that is if you win your division you really earned it usually and more importantly the best teams do make the playoffs almost every year. It, nobody really gets snubbed. I wish the NFL did something like that just because I, I feel like there are years, I mean, you just you see teams that deserve to make the playoffs and just miss it. Why? Because their record wasn't good enough. And I I, I, I know we, we went 10 and 6 last year and we missed the playoffs. Right. And I was going to say, sucked. We're, we're, we're running out of time here, so I don't want to yeah. go too long. But that's a good point, John. Another one I was going to say was, I don't remember what year it was, but you, you'll probably remember one of the two of you. 2002, the when the Browns made it over us, we won no, 10 I was, games. No, no, no. The Chargers, um, when they had like the number one ranked offense and defense, but the record wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. I don't remember what year it was. They missed it, but it, I think it was because their record wasn't high enough because of the way the seeding works. I'd have to look it up. But it's just those are the things that bother me because you'll see teams that really are the best, and they miss because – the seating just doesn't make sense. And John, John, that is a good example of a team that realistically last year deserved to make the playoffs and they didn't. 
only because I think if you win double digit games, I mean, you should be in the playoffs. I mean, there's no reason. I I mean, that's not like you're going eight and eight, 10 and six or, or now 10 and seven. I think is, I mean, I think that's a good record. I think that's a good season. I'm not saying it's an elite season, but no no matter what football team you are, that's a good season. That's a good record. 10 and six, 10 and seven. I think double digit wins always in the NFL is good and you shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't have an opportunity for to play for the Super Bowl taken away from you because you didn't win your division or you're not the best wild card. Like double digit wins is always impressive to me. I mean, unless you're the Steelers year, last year because they were frauds. But. This year, look at the Cardinals. I mean, Cardinals, Rams are the top two teams. If the Seahawks make a comeback with Russell Wilson comes back, they 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 basically run the table and they win, let's say, eleven games. They could miss the playoffs only because of that silly rule of the way things work. Just think about that for a second because their division was that good. The quarterback got hurt for a little bit. He came back. They ran the table. They missed the playoffs. Well, they really don't have much of an excuse because there's not a whole lot of wild card teams that are going to take spots no, from them in the I'm NFC. Just, I'm just, I'm using that as an example. If that happened, the yeah, point I'm yeah. making is it would be kind of ridiculous because of the playoff system that's in place. That's all. I, I agree. If, if, if the Saints are really the playoffs, their only threat to that seventh seed. You're right. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm, if they were on the table, they'll make the playoffs. I'm, it's a matter of if at that point. But yeah. the point I'm making is, is it, it's a little bit unfair at times because, you know what, if the Saints, let's say they win those games we were talking about earlier, right, and they deservedly, you know, they, they win those games, they, they deserve to make the playoffs, and they miss it because of something like the Seahawks. Well, then that's not fair to the Saints because they may have really earned their postseason berth, especially after losing Drew Brees last year and now their starting quarterback in James Winston this year. I mean, at that point, if you're if you're going to win that many games, you deserve to make the playoffs. Agreed, completely agreed. It's, it's one of those things where you you have to. And I, I, I yeah. apologize for going down the rabbit hole with you guys, but that is just something that it still to this day bothers me that we have not found a way to make sure that those who elevate their game are rewarded, and mediocrity is not. I, I agree. Um, all right, so we're just about out of time. I know we talked a lot of football, John or Eric. Is there anything like? important news that nope. I, I, or we already missed. I don't think we did. I think we kind of covered the major stuff. I know we talked about it before the show. Most of what's going on right now is football. Really? I mean, baseball, we got the world series wrapping up and by the time people are watching this, it may already be over and basketball and hockey are just starting. So, yeah, no, um, listen, as always, gentlemen, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so yeah. much. This has been great. Um, Jake, definitely going to have you on the sports arena again. Shameless plug, have you back on so we can definitely talk. I need another NFC East person because I'm sick of listening to Mike and Megan talk about Dallas. I'll happily come talk about my terrible Giants. Hey, you can jump on the you can come join the club, and you and me can just talk about how much we can't stand. Them I'll do that. And and don't listen to the show. Don't let, you might not want to listen to the show tomorrow, then Jake, because it's uh, an hour of Cowboys, and I'm not sure you or oh, Eric no, can uh, stomach I, an hour of Cowboys. I don't know I'll listen because I always, I always tune in, even if I'm not on there. But yeah, and I do recommend tuning in because it's a sports <laughs> arena, and that's our show. But, uh, but other than that, tough one. Giants fans, that'll be tough. <laughs> that sounds tough. All right, Eric. Before we finish, where can they find you? Because we always do this. Where can they find you and all your work? Oh, well, thank you again. Um, as you see in my name here, this is my Twitter and also my IG at ECWilson76. Um, like I said, the Sports Arena every Monday and Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The NFL Carousel, Alex Fleming's 
NFL Carousel every Thursday night, 7 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube. And pretty much, you know, Orlando Magic Games. I'm actually trying to, and I got to talk to my man, John Shearer. I'm trying to break into the Tampa Bay Lightning sometime this season. Definitely going to need some hockey knowledge because I'm green when it comes to that, but I am always willing to learn. We'll we'll take care of that with you. We got you. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, You know, excited for the rest of this season. We're in the second half of the, you know, NFL. So I can't wait to see what that happens. And of course, come March or April is when I get really hyped again, because it'll be the return of the WNBA. And I'm a huge, huge Chicago Sky fan. I've covered them the last two seasons. I was blessed to be there when they did win their first championship uh, last month in Chicago. It was phenomenal. And, you know, I am all about supporting and advocating for, you know, women's equality, not only in the world of sports, but overall, that is a big proponent for me. So, Absolutely. yeah. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, we appreciate uh, yes, you coming on. Oh, John, where can they find you? Oh, you know where you can find me. For Fox Sports, 1340 AM, Cardiac Kane, Fin Fanatic. Um, sports are in on Monday and Wednesday nights, 10 Eastern time. Alex Fleming's NFL Carousel Thursday nights from 7 to 8. I represent the Baltimore Ravens, and I will smoke whoever I go up against. I don't care who you are. Um, Blue Hawks 13 on Twitter. And, uh, I mean, I like my steaks well done. You know, oh, I have the John, most important just, place, most important. I'm just muting him. I don't want to hear the rest of the spiel. John, I know how John, this goes. John, this John. DBNA television. Well I didn't stop talking. I just kept talking. I know. Muted or not. Uh, Eric, we know. It's it's rough that he does that. I, I can't with him sometimes. I've been dealing with this for too long. It's ridiculous. Burgers anyway. well done. All right, John, you, you're cut off, buddy. <laughs> uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Jake underscore Malik. Instagram and Facebook, just look up my name. John, I am not out of order for telling people where to find me. That is not my fault. That is you, sir. Uh, more importantly, you can find Sideline Sports on Instagram and Twitter at Sideline Sport One, YouTube, Facebook, at Sideline Sports. We're on DBNA television every morning at 4 a.m. as of now. That may change. If it changes, we will let you guys know. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your audio podcasts. That's where you can find us. Score, uh, no score, score, no score. score, no yep, score. Absolutely. We will be on there. We will play against you happily and we will smoke you because yes, I'll do that do. there too. And one last note before we go, John, I just wanted to point out, I beat you this week in fantasy to improve to eight and oh, I'm yeah. not saying anything. I just it I, had to be said. I had to say it out loud. I am eight and oh in one of our leagues, John. I am unstoppable. I'm seven and, and one in another in league, league. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, in that right. regard. I just had to say that I beat you. I'm now. I now. felt bad, so I had to kind of yeah, ease up right. a little uh-huh. bit on the gas. Uh-huh. That's what Drop you the three and five, so I can make like a cheat. I'm like the Chiefs. Yeah, gotta yeah, yeah. make it dramatic. Yeah, that's yeah, all. yeah. All right. Other than that, that is all I have. John, Eric, anything else you have to say before we go? Nope. Nope. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching, and we will see you next time. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. 
Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.